Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. I want to continue this morning with our sermon series on, on, uh, that we started last week called RE or RE. Now RE, if you haven't um, listened to last week's service, um, I'll, I'll catch you up quickly. RE is a prefix. It's a prefix we use to, to place in front of a word to change the word's meaning to do again. Do again. I said last week that there's been so many prophetic words about God resetting the church, resetting individuals, resetting our devotions, our family lives, so many things. And we want to do a, um, a sermon series that, that look exa- specifically at that. If we say God is resetting us and church and devotions, how does it look like? And what do we do to, <laughs> to realign or to align ourselves to this goalpost or to this focus that God has given us? Now, now, through this series, we are going to look at three words. With the words are set, align, and start. Three words. But we're going to fix the prefix re in front of all three of those words. We're going to say reset how we see and perceive church. We spoke about it last week. We're going to realign our focus as believers. We're going to look more about that today. And then we're going to restart with a fresh outlook on church. And <clears throat> Sorry, I hope last week blessed you, really, really blessed you to know that sometimes we need to reset things in our lives to help us to realign to what God has for us. And we're going to say more about that. Now, last week, my first word was reset. And as I mentioned, God is resetting the church to its individual, not sorry, God is resetting the church, He's resetting us as individuals to our initial state, to function in the power of the Spirit. You see, that was the initial state of the church and the calling of us as individuals when Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead. He established a new church where He said, I want you to be filled with the Spirit. And I want you to be Spirit-led. And, uh, and that's what we spoke about last week. So if you missed it, you'll see all our, church, all our services is uh, we reposted everything on our Facebook page and you can go to our YouTube page as well to catch up on services you've missed. All the audio is already on our website so you can go and listen to the audio as well if you missed the video. So Now, <coughs> this morning, <coughs> maybe I should just clear my throat before we start. Uh, today we will be looking, today we will be looking at the second word. Of our phrase. Remember, we're looking at three words set, align, and start. And we're going to look at align today. Align. But we're going to put the prefix re in front to make it realign. Now, let's first, before we before we put the prefix on, let's look at the word align. And what does the definition for the word align means? I'll give you realign now. Let's just first look at align. Align means to arrange in a straight line, to arrange something in a straight line, or to give support to. Now, it's, it's quite amazing. I align the things that I've placed in my garden, aligned it in a straight line. So we align something, but it also means to give support to something. I align myself with the values of this political party. I align myself with this sport team that I support. 
That's also a different definition of a line. <coughs> but let's look at real line. Real line. If we put the prefix in front of it, it means to change or restore to a different position. To change or restore to a different position or to change one's opinion in support to. So it's very important. It's, it's to do again. Remember the prefix, re? It's to do again or to change something that we thought it was aligned, but suddenly we realize it is not as aligned as we thought. So let's realign this. Let's revisit this and change the position that we are heading into. Now last week we ended in the book of Acts. And I spoke about Peter and James who was, was functioning in the power of the Spirit after they were baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to continue in the book of Acts today and next week and um, as we go through this series. But today and next week is very important. I'm going to look at two stories out of the life of Paul, Paul the Apostle. Uh, we're going to see more of that. So I want to start out and go to Acts 19. If you've got your Bible with you, you can follow with. Otherwise, it's here on the screen. You can follow it here. Um, I want to go to Acts 19. Are we going to read from verse 1 to verse 9? I know it's a chunk um, of scripture, but I want, to, I want to build a bit of a foundation today before I dive into our topic of our sermon. For us to understand where are we going and, and what was the meaning of what Paul said <clears throat> later on in Ephesians and Timothy and, and all the gospels that he or all the books that he wrote. So let's read together. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, if you want to follow me. Acts 19. Verse 1 to 9, it says the following. Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? He asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism calls for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for three months, arguing and persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some become stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against his way. Now, there's a lot of things that happen here. About 15 chapters later in, in the book of Acts, after the disciples were filled, radically filled with the Spirit, and they were functioning in the power of the Holy Spirit, we, we actually came to Paul. And at this moment, this story was about the third missionary journey that Paul took. Paul took a couple of missionary journeys, but this was in his third journey already. And we heard that he ran into a couple of believers, 12 in all. And these believers, they, they were teaching the gospel of Jesus. But they haven't received the Holy Spirit at all. And <laughs> if you look further and you go through the, the, through the scriptures, you will see that that these guys were converts of Apollos. Apollos was a man who followed Jesus as Jesus was on earth. And he was one of Jesus' many disciples. 
but he was never part of the 12 or part of the 120 who was filled with the Spirit. So he never received the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem that time. But he was so passionate to share the gospel of Jesus that he, he, he went all over and preached the gospel of Jesus. He had converts and this was men that was with Apollos that, that preached about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Savior. Now, this actually, this story, when Paul ran into these guys, this actually amazed Paul that they, that they, were, they, they received the salvation through Jesus. They were preaching Jesus. They were preaching the gospel. But they have never received the Holy Spirit. Now, as Paul laid his hands on them, it's amazing. They received, laid his hand on them. They were filled with the Spirit. They spoke in tongues. They prophesied. And it's actually amazing that, that Paul showed that there is power in laying on of hands. To lay our hands on someone. To pray with them. That it can transfer the power. It can, it, the power of God can touch people as we pray for them. Now, after this moment, after this episode, Paul actually went with them to Ephesus. And he went to the synagogue. And it says for three months he boldly preached the gospel. And he argued in the synagogues to all the people. Now, now, this was very interesting in those days. In those days, they didn't have a pastor who looked after the synagogue or the place of meeting. The temple had Pharisees and Sadducees and all the high priests. But the synagogues where people met on a Sunday, it was, it was small little gathering rooms where they met and they spoke about the gospel. So they had no one leading them. It was just a gathering of people where anyone could speak. Anyone, any, any visitor that was traveling through the country. It was actually quite amazing. And they usually had people preaching and ministering that was travelers that came through. That was ministers of the gospel. And they could speak and argue about the gospel. And about, about, about being a believer. Now this gave the early missionaries an incredible, phenomenal, um, <coughs> a phenomenal opportunity to spread the gospel and to plant churches. And this is exactly what Paul did. He traveled and he went to the synagogues on Sunday and through the week and he argued and spoke about the gospel of Jesus. Now Paul was preaching in Ephesus for about three years nonstop. Uh, there are a lot of things. He, he preached for three months in the synagogue very boldly. Very, I mean, he argued the gospel of Jesus. And then it got about heated. It got heated in the synagogue and people were asking some questions. So he withdrew to a different teaching room, room in Tarsus. And it was, very, it was in, in, in Ephesus. And there he continued to preach for up to three years. And with that, he planted a church. The church was birthed in Ephesus through Paul's ministering, preaching through that three years. Now, if we know the backdrop, and it's very important to know the backdrop of the city of Ephesus. You see, Ephesus was quite a dangerous place for new believers or for a guy like Paul who came in as a missionary. Now, why do I say that? See, the city of Ephesus was the guardian city of the temple of Jupiter. Now, Jupiter was the Roman god. This was the God that they worshipped. They worshipped Jupiter and there's a lot of other names for, for this God. But this was their guardian city. This was almost like the Vatican that, that, that had the main temple in and, 
and all the all the priests of Jupiter was there. So it was quite a dangerous place in terms of a, a, a country was led by the Romans. But in the city, there were so many people. There was teachers of the law and teachers of weird uh, religions. Now, Paul was preaching. He, he's preaching. I mean, we all know, and if you look at all these scriptures and all the books Paul wrote, he was very argumentative. He was bold, and, and Paul didn't stay quiet for anyone. And as he's preaching, was, was, was literally spreading like a wildfire in Ephesus. At one, one, at one point, it started a riot. And the riot started because the merchants in the town that was making a lot of, um, what do you call all this, shrines that they made for the, to the god of Jupiter, that they sold, and they made a living out of making shrines for this god of the Romans. And Paul actually condemned them because of that, that they are following God, but they're making shrines for a god who is from the, of the Romans. And one of the two of the merchants started a riot that says, you're taking all our income and, and you, you, um, you're destroying our, our, our way of living. And it started such a riot that Paul had to flee Ephesus because they would have killed him. Now, Paul fled to a different region. Now, knowing when he fled, knowing that Ephesus had a lot of teachers, people who, who traveled in and out. There were so many religious ministers, so many people who ministered religiously. And these um, religious ministers were, were um, uh, what do you call it? They were almost, um, f not fake, but they were, they were ministering from different religions, different myths, different... And that's why there were so many discussions and myths in this town that, that there were so many religious views in Ephesus. And going, Paul knew that he couldn't leave the church he birthed without a man that, that is strong in the gospel, strong in faith, and preaching the gospel of Jesus. So he left his son Timothy in Ephesus. And he always, he always said, he, he, he spoke about Timothy as his son in the Lord. Now this is where the first two books, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, came from. For Paul writing to Timothy about the Ephesian church he was leading to encourage him and strengthen him. Now, now this painted the picture to, for, for, for us, for where I'm going. I, I hope that it gave you a bit of a foundation of it. But I want to go to the book of 1 Timothy. And I want to look at our sermon topic for today. Realign. Are you ready? So let's go to 1 Timothy 1, verse 2 to 6. It's the first inscription that Paul gave to Timothy as he wrote him for the first time about the church that he planted in Ephesus and left him there. Are you ready? I'm going to read. Verse 2 to 6. <clears throat> it says the following. I'm writing to Timothy, my son, my true son in the faith. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. <clears throat> grace, mercy, and peace. When I left for Macedonia, I urge you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those whose teaching whose teaching is contrary to the truth. Remember all the teachers in Ephesus? All the weird guys? Then he says, Don't let them waste their time in endless discussions of myth and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to meaningless speculations which don't help people live a life of faith in God. Now let's just stop there. It's very interesting. We'll get to the last scripture now. <laughs> let me just clear my throat. I don't know if it's the cold... 
or anything else. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> it says the following. When Paul left Ephesus, he placed Timothy there. He placed him to lead and take charge of the church that he planted. Now, if you look at some historic um, um, writers, they estimated that the church in Ephesus had about 100,000 members. <laughs> this was not a small church. This was a massive church. This was a lot of people that got converted. I was boldly preaching and believing the gospel of Jesus. And, maybe, and, and I believe all of them filled with the Holy Spirit. Now this was a huge task. And that's probably why Paul started this letter with the threefold blessing. I give you grace, I give you mercy, and I give you peace. <laughs> and most of his other letters, he's only started grace and peace to you. Now, Lord Jesus Christ. But for Timothy, he said, may there be grace, may there be mercy, may there be peace for you, Timothy. And Timothy was a young man and he was already struggling with anxiety and fear with leading this amount of people. A huge task ahead of him. Now, Paul instructed Timothy to make sure that everyone teaches the right doctrine. Because there were so many doctrine in Ephesus. People who mixed the, the, the godly Roman, godly um, theology with Christian theology. And there were so many mixtures of theology. He wanted to make sure that people preached the right theology. Now he said to Timothy to make sure that the people don't waste their time on endless discussions or myths. See, it always when I read the scripture, it makes me think of, of conspiracy theories and things about the end times. And, and, and Paul just says, listen, forget all these things. But I want you to focus on one thing. See, Paul actually says there is no power in just sitting and philosophizing um, about myth and dead doctrine. There's no power in it. You're just sitting and philosophizing about these things. But he said the true power was in the gospel of Jesus. That was love for others. Was love for others. Now listen to this. Verse 5 actually caught my attention. Let's go back to verse 5 and let's read it together. So I stopped at verse 4. Verse 5 says, then Paul says, Don't listen to all this endless genealogies, or all this um, myth and speculations, and all this. He says, But the purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love. All believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. Now, this is amazing. I mean, I, I, I sat with this, just this scripture for such a long time, just meditating on it. It's like wondering, what did Paul really say here? What did he say? It's like, this is the purpose of my instruction. Now, I, wouldn't have, I would have thought that Paul would give Timothy leading a church with 100,000 members. I don't even think there is a biggest church um, in the world right now, maybe in China or somewhere, but 100,000 members. I would have thought, Paul would, would have given Timothy more wisdom and knowledge and a list of what you need to do as a leader to lead this church. But he said, my sole purpose of this instruction, my sole purpose, this is the biggest, most important soul, this is the thing that I want you to get. Don't worry about any other thing. This is it. He said that my sole purpose of my instruction is for everyone to be filled with love. Everyone to be filled with love. Don't worry about doing this or that or, or, or if you are you clever in theology or preaching good or not. No, no. I just want you to be filled with love. 
You see, Paul was just aligning them with the true power of the gospel. Just, to, just aligning them. Aligning them up. Saying, I want you to align to the power of the gospel. That is loving others more than yourself. See, but because Timothy was struggling with so many issues, myth and bad theology in this city, Paul had to come and realign things. He had to realign, since he's been gone and he's been gone for a while, he had to write this letter and help Timothy to realign them, to set things more in place and put it back in position, to align them to the gospel of Jesus and the gospel that, we, that, that, that Paul was preaching. He said, don't worry about all this endless discussions and theories. Just make sure that everyone, everyone in this church is filled with the love of God. Isn't that amazing? That so many times we go off into rabbit trails in our Christian faith and we want to do this, we want to read this, we want to do this, and this is a new revelation, this is a new... But Paul comes and he said, just, I want you to refocus the following. <laughs> that your purpose of everything is to be filled with the love of God. That's it. That's it. Now, I love this, what Paul said. I love Paul's heart. He was probably one of the most intuitive um, ministers with so much wisdom, being, being um, trained as a, sadder, a, a, a Pharisee, knowing all the scriptures, all the regulations, all the rules, and still he got saved and radically saved with Jesus at the road of Damascus. And then, and, and then he comes and he says, the sole purpose of all this is just to love God and to make, to make his love fill you up from the inside out. Now, now, doctrine and theology is not wrong. I want you to understand me rightly today. Very, I mean, it, it, it is very important to have good doctrine and good theology. But there's so many cases where people get focused on, so, so focused on doctrine that they miss God. They miss the true essence of what God has called us to be and to do. Now then, Paul said, so make sure you realign yourself to the goal of serving God by loving others. Make sure you realign yourself. And Timothy, make sure that people align themselves and realign themselves to the focus of loving others. Now, then he gave Timothy three things. Three things that will help him to realign this commandment of love. You see, he says... Make sure you have the my sole purpose is to, to have love that comes from. See, this love comes from three things that helps you to realign your focus as a Christian and as a believer. Now, number one was a pure heart. See, he said it comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, a genuine faith. So, number one, let's look at this attributes to help us also to realign us to love everyone above everything else. So, let's first look at a pure heart. Now, we've heard this so many times, but I always ask myself, my first question to myself is always like, what, what makes our heart pure? What makes our heart pure if we say that we need a pure heart? Well, my second question is, what keeps our heart pure as a Christian? See, it's good questions. But listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 1 verse 22, and I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. <coughs> listen to this, it says, you can, you can follow here. It says, Now, because of your obedience to the truth, you have purified your very soul 
And this empowers you to be full of love for your fellow believers. So express this, so express this sincere love towards one another passionately with a pure heart. Isn't that amazing? See, so he says, obedience of the truth brings, brings forth a pure heart. And a pure heart is a heart that loves others unconditional. See, it's very important to notice that our spirit, our spirit gets purified at that moment of salvation. It, 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 it just gets totally purified. It will turn, turn us white as snow, the blood of Jesus. But our soul gets purified when we obey the truth of the gospel. You see, when we take the gospel, when you take the word and apply it to your life, it it purifies your soul, your will, your emotions, your thinking. As you go about as a Christian, it purifies your soul. And then it empowers us to intentionally love others. You see, as you get the word to become part of us, as we read the Bible, as we spend time with believers, there is a process of purification as we obey and, and, and make that truth of the gospel part of our lives. And the only true way to love others unconditionally is through the Holy Spirit. And it just shows us that we need the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. So much. You see, the Holy Spirit has a supernatural love that has been deposited inside of every born-again believer. And sometimes we, we feel about, how can I love people that is so tough to love? Come on, let's be honest today. There's been so many people that we've met through our lives that think, yo, man, it is so hard to love them. And it's usually them that teaches us more of love than anyone else. But the Holy Spirit gives us power. It empowers us as we open our hearts to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to supernaturally love others, unconditionally and intentionally. Now, when we embrace the Holy Spirit, when we embrace His supernatural love, it will flow through us and enable us to love others that we sometimes struggle to love. And that's where what Paul spoke about a pure heart. He says, I want your pure heart to flow from a place of knowing the truth, obeying the word, let the truth wash you clean. If he speaks about the truth, he speaks about the word of God. Wash you clean on a daily basis so that you will have a purified heart that can love others unconditionally. Remember Paul says, my sole purpose is to, to love others unconditionally. So when our, it comes from a pure heart, when our hearts are pure, that's washed by the word on a daily basis. You see, the word realigns us as well to the focuses that we need to focus. And as we realign our word and realign our hearts to the word of God, it purifies our hearts and we just love easier, especially in times we are facing now. Listen to 1 John 3 verse 3. I'm reading from New King James Version. It says, And everyone who has the hope in Him, now hope in Him with a capital letter, everyone who has hope in God purifies himself just as He is pure. Isn't that amazing? You see, the word says truth and hope leads us to a pure heart that will love so much easier. We need to embrace hope and embrace truth so that it can purify our hearts 
and how we can love others so much easier. And let's look at the, the, second, the second thing or the second attribute that, that will help us love. And that is a clear conscience. A clear conscience. Now our conscience, if you look at the dictionary, our conscience is our moral sense of right and wrong. That's, that's it. That's the basic definition. But it also guides our behavior. It guides our behavior. So how people will behave will show their conscience of right and wrong. That's actually what the dictionary says. Now, I believe that a clear conscience, as a Christian, is a godly conscience. Is a godly conscience on right or wrong in life. Now, Paul says the following in Acts, when he faced the leaders. Now, after he was in Ephesus, he traveled back and God showed him. And there were some prophetic words that said, you will be in shackles, you will be enslaved, or, um, imprisoned in Rome. But he traveled there anyway because he had such a heart for the Roman Empire to be saved. And as he was in Rome, he preached or he stood in front of the Roman Empire and all the leaders. And as he was in front of them, in Acts 24, 25, 26, we read that he said something very interesting in, in Acts 24, verse 16. I'm reading from Amplified. It says, In view of this, I also do my best and strive always to have a clear conscience before God and before men. He says, I do my best and I strive towards having a clear conscience. Now, if you read in the King James Version, it says, I exercise myself to have a good conscience. <laughs> he exercises himself on a daily basis. I exercise myself as a believer to have a clear conscience or a good conscience. Now, we're all talking about Paul here. I want to remind you, we're talking about Paul the Apostle, the same man who killed Christians before he got radically saved meeting Jesus on the road. The same man who stood with the men's coats in his arm as they were stoning Stephen. The same man. Now Paul knew what it meant to have a clear conscience in Christ. You see, when he was in Christ, he knew everything about grace, everything about forgiveness, everything about God who, who swipes the slate clean. Because he was in Christ. And therefore his conscience was clean. There was true forgiveness. He said a clear conscience is not something that happens naturally. <laughs> it's not. He said we have to exercise ourselves daily to have a clear conscience. Exercise. As we read the word. As we fellowship with believers. As we learn and know the truth. It will clear our conscience. It will exercise our conscience to know right and wrong on a daily basis. You see, every day we, day we apply the truth and the words to our lives, we exercise our conscience. And that's why it's so important to read the scriptures, read the word, meditate on the word, listen to some, um, some sermons to help us to receive faith and to clear our conscience to know right and wrong from each other. Now, our conscience is like a navigational control that cannot be ignored. It navigates us through life. But it cannot be our sole guide. It's very important to know this. You see, the Apostle Paul, before, he, before his conversion, he killed Christians with a clear conscience. Because he believed it was the right thing to do. So therefore, we can't just let our, only our clear conscience lead us. That's why we need the Word of God. 
We need the word of God to be the final authority in our lives. That truth that will lead us to a clear conscience. And it realigns us. Sometimes we feel, Father, I don't know if I'm making the, wrong, the right decisions or the wrong decisions. You see, the word brings realignment in our lives. As we read the word, as we meditate on the word. And it clears our conscience to a place where we know, oh, this is right and this is wrong. And that's why we so much need the Word, so much need the Holy Spirit to lead us constantly in the love of God. And then let's look at the last one. Number three, the third attribute that comes from love, it's, it is a genuine faith. A genuine faith. Galatians 5, verse 5 and 6 says the following. Listen to Paul here. Listen to what he says. Same man. He says, but we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? This is verse 5. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly waits, wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. So we take our righteousness by faith. We all know that. And that's grace. Then he says, For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. It says it doesn't have to do with all that religious things when we place our faith in Christ. Then he says, what is important is faith expressing itself in love. Faith expressing itself in love. Isn't that a great scripture? It's such a great scripture. It says that love is grace. It's such grace showed by action. You see, Paul's faith wasn't rooted in what he said or what he preached, but it was what he did. It was his works. Paul said, I will show you, my, you will show me my faith. I will show you my faith through what I do, through my works. It's almost like the testimony Clarice gave a couple of weeks ago. Although everything seemed dark around her, um, her business going down, she said, Lord, I will keep on working and have faith in you. Isn't that amazing? You see, Paul said, it is so much to do in our faith. So much to do with our faith. See, it's all about faith in God, what God can do through me, not what we can accomplish ourselves. See, faith is that. Lord, what can you accomplish through me today? That's genuine faith. To say, Lord, no matter what you tell me to do or what impossibility you ask me to do, I know it's true faith to step out and say, Lord, will you come and do what you need to do through my life? I love that. You see, to love, others, to, to love others, we need to step out of our comfort zones and trust God. We need to step out of our comfort zones and love those that we struggle to love. Love those that we don't even know. And that's why I love people giving food parcels, helping people in need at this time. I mean, that is really unconditional love of helping people that we don't know. There's so many times that we help people that we didn't even know. But we just trusted God's voice. To say help I will supply and that's the most amazing blessing that comes from that it's better to give than to receive how much more to give love now through this lockdown and things we are facing right now <laughs> I believe God is realigning us to the initial focus and goalposts he's realigning us and what is he realigning us he is realigning us to truly love others. To truly 
live from the initial goal of the church. Truly live from the initial goal for you as an individual, for you as a family, is to love first. To really love. Love God and love others. That's one of my mottos in life. We love God and we love others. We, and we serve God and we serve others. And everything comes from a heart to love. You see, love was the essence of Jesus' sacrifice and His new covenant for us as believers. It was the essence of it. Love for others. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Love. God loved, so He sent His Son to love us. See, that's, that's why God needs us to always keep aligned to it. We need to keep aligned to the true essence of us serving God and believing. It's to love others. See, if we don't do that, we will start to listen to any and other, any other conversation or discussion or myth or theology that is not lining up with God's truth. I want to encourage us all today and I want to encourage you today that, that we will revisit our true focus as believers in times like this. What is your true focus? We will need to trust God to realign everything in our lives that is off course. And maybe this week you can take your notebook and I usually take my notebook and take my Bible and as I go through the Word and something sometimes offends me or really <laughs> it, 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 it cuts deep in my heart I make notes I said Lord why is this having such an effect on me why is giving have such an effect on me why do loving others have such an effect on me why do forgiving others have such an effect I mean there's so many things in our lives we need, we need to start realigning our lives to the original goalposts of what God has called us to be. And this is exactly what Paul did with, with Timothy in the Ephesian church. He says, I want you to close your eyes. Don't listen to all those very intelligent, but yet ungodly, untruthful ways. And come back to the word, which is our true guide. Come back to the word that will purify your heart, will purify your conscience, will spark your faith. Faith comes by hearing the word. And that will bring realignment in our lives. So when you take the scriptures, when you take the word of God, it will realign you to the original, original calling for us as Christians. You see, our original reset was to be filled with the Spirit. We need to realign our focus by meditating on the word so that we will love others with a pure heart, with a clear conscience, with genuine faith. And I believe that God is taking us into a place and through this lockdown and through these times where we need to get stuck into your Bible, get stuck into your word to make sure that you, you stay aligned. Align yourself with the support of following God and loving others. I want to pray with you this morning and with us this morning. And Maybe there's some things in your life that you feel, oh, Father, I've... I've lost my, my alignment with your word in certain things and I'm, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will start showing you things that's not in alignment with you as being a believer. Now, there's no religion, there is just love and relationship. 
But if there is some things in my marriage relationship that is not in line, I need to realign it to honor my marriage covenant. It's the same with our covenant with Jesus. When things are not in line in terms of whatever God is putting in your heart right now or maybe this week or as you're meditating on scripture or maybe God has been speaking to you already, you need to realign that. And the best way to bring realignment in our lives is to apply the scriptures in our lives. Isn't that amazing? So I want to encourage you as I pray right now that God will show you or He will he will start showing you this week what needs to realign to the Word of God in your life. As we're stepping out of this pandemic, as we're going through this lockdown, we have time to spend more, more Word and quiet time. And as we're spending time in the Word, that God will start showing us. So let's pray together. Won't you put your hand on your heart? Father, I pray this morning. I pray for everyone listening to this live stream. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Father, that you are so gracious to us, that your love is, is, is unmeasurable. And that whenever we, we, we pray, when we read Bible, when we listen to sermons or sit in church or fellowship with believers, we can experience your love, Father, that is unmeasurable in our lives. And Father, I thank you this morning that I pray that everyone who's listening to this live stream will experience your love, and as they experience your love, Father, that you will start showing them what to bring in alignment. What to bring in realignment to your word. To clear, pure, to purify their hearts. To clear their conscience. To know what is right from wrong. And to guide us through our lives as we meditate on the scriptures, Lord. And then to give us genuine faith as we meditate on scriptures that our faith will be stronger every day. So Father, I thank you today that, that you will speak to us this week, that you fill us up with your Spirit. Holy Spirit, will you come and give us wisdom in every step we take in our businesses, in our families, so that we will even realign our business, our family life, our individual lives towards your Scriptures and, your, and, 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 and your, the focus that we have in you, Lord. Lord, and above else, I pray that you will bring us to a place where we can intentionally love people unconditionally this week. Father, I thank you this morning. What a privilege it is to love you, Father, and to experience your love and to know that no matter where we came from, like Paul who killed Christians, that your forgiveness and your love was so amazing. And I thank you, Father, that you will throw guilt off people's shoulders this morning. I just experienced as I'm praying this morning that maybe you're sitting with guilt in your life. Maybe there's guilt that's been pressing down on you, that's been keeping you away from truly experiencing God's love in your life. Maybe it's time to put that guilt aside, to sit with the Father and, and bring true forgiveness. And in that moment of forgiveness, you will, you will experience true love that is unconditional. Maybe there's some maybe there's some relationships that, that ended at a, at a, just really rough and you need some forgiveness or maybe you need to give some forgiveness. I want to encourage you this morning to open your hearts and as you forgive that God's love will come and flood your heart and your life and bring realignment into everything that needs to realign to God's word.
Father, thank you for touching everyone this morning. Thank you for touching us. Thank you for, for journeying with us. Holy Spirit, thank you that you never leave us. Never ever. That you're always with us. Always inside of us. Giving us wisdom. And fellowshipping with us on a daily basis. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will become real to every one of us this week. As we realigning ourselves to your word. Realigning ourselves to the most important purpose of all. To love others. We all pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstalenbosch.co.za.